Right on cue, here come the Federal Reserve's hawks. Now, last week, the U.S. Consumer Price Index came in a little bit softer than people had been expecting, which triggered an enormous widespread market reaction. Every, almost every market, the stock market, absolutely loved the Consumer Price Index, not just because the headline was, headline was a little softer, but more so because some of the underlying details really did seem to suggest that just maybe the consumer price pressures have turned a corner, that the U.S. economy has headed into the downside of the supply shock case, which leads to several different uh, several different interpretations. Stock market thinking thinking that's positive because it's the end of the rate hikes. And as Stephen Van Meter and I talked about in my last video, the weekly recap, the bond market suggests that this is something different, which gets into if consumer price pressures really are decelerating or coming down, why is that? But regardless, the Federal Reserve says, no, 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 no. Jay Powell already threw cold water on that back at the FOMC rate hike, the press conference following the meeting where he said, you know, there was language in the statement that made it seem that the Fed was starting to consider economic and financial conditions in its rate hike considerations. And Jay Powell said, no, 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 no. Rate hikes forever, baby. And then just this weekend, after last week's CPI and reaction to it, Federal Reserve Governor Christopher Waller, I think he was down in Australia, made some interesting comments, which consistent with Jay Powell, consistent with Mr. what Mr. Van Meter had said, incredibly hawkish. No, 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 you guys are all wrong. He said these rates are going to stay, keep going up, and they're going to stay high for a while until we see this inflation get down closer to our target. We've still got a ways to go. This isn't ending in the next meeting or two, which is interesting because we have the data, we have market reaction to it, and we also have the fact that Jay Powell admitted at the end of June, they don't really know what they're doing when it comes to consumer prices. As he said, we now understand better how little we understand about inflation. So why the rate hikes? Why this incredible amount of hawkishness? What is it that the Federal Reserve is attempting to accomplish here? And how is it they try to, they want to accomplish what it is they're trying to accomplish? We'll get to all that in just a minute. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. As usual, check out what we're doing here, eurodollar.university. It's the website, has all the information about membership opportunities where you get exclusive videos, background details, deep dives into the ins and outs of how the euro dollar system works, how money is actually created and redistributed throughout the world. We have uh, research subscriptions, um, daily, deep, uh, daily briefing, as well as a deep dive analysis, all the information there on our website, eurodollar.university. So the Federal Reserve here obviously is intent upon sending a message to you, me, stocks, bonds, everybody, that rate hikes are gonna go to double digits and they're gonna stay there into the 2030s. But why are they so focused on sending this message? Despite the fact that the economy looks kind of shaky, despite the fact that uh, consumer prices, as I said, the CPI looks pretty convincing, compelling case that it might be heading lower, and there's some more data, data that came in today. Again, today is uh, Monday, November 14th. Some data from the Federal Reserve Branch in New York, Consumer Expectations Survey. They're one year ahead uh, consumer price inflation expectation. The median rate ticked up to 5.94%, which is consistent with the rebound in gasoline prices in October. 
Now that's still materially below 6.78, which was the peak in June. But more importantly, the three-year ahead outlook. So consumers, what, what do they tell the Federal Reserve Bank of New York they think about consumer prices three years ahead? Well, that ticked up a little bit too to 3.11 in October, but that was still 110 basis points less than the peak, which was 4.21%, set way back in October of last year. So overall, monthly variations aside, longer run consumer price expectations have remained pretty well anchored and have been on the downslope for over a year. In fact, you look at that three-year ahead rate, that's really no different than it has been in the entire history of the series, which goes back to 2013. In fact, you can look up a couple times, you know, in early 2018, um, the three-year ahead, uh, the three-year ahead uh, median number was somewhere around 3%. June of 2014, for example, the median three-year ahead for the Federal Reserve Bank of New York survey was 3.3%. So even by the Federal Reserve's very own data, consumer price expectations outside of the short run, which is very much influenced by gasoline and energy prices, remain perfectly anchored. And it's not just consumer surveys. You see the same thing in other consumer surveys, but in the market, the tips market, inflation break-evens have remained outside of the short run relatively well anchored. In fact, you look at the long run number, the five-year, five-year forward rate, which is derived from the difference between the five-year inflation break-even and the 10-year break-even, and it has remained incredibly low. It's still in the same range as it's been since August of 2014. Ever since oil, price, oil prices crashed the first time, long-run inflation expectations in the market, where they actually get paid for by the consumer price index, the CPI pays off and tips, which feeds into these break-evens and these long-run inflation rates, the market has said over the long run, there is no expectation that consumer prices are going to remain out of control. So we're back asking the question, what gives here? What is it that the Federal Reserve is really afraid of? And the answer is they don't know. They look at consumer prices and they're afraid. They're afraid. Not This is not logical fear. This is irrational fear. They're afraid that consumers are going to normalize to high, price, uh, high, consumer, high rates of consumer price increases. And then that will create this feedback effect that becomes something like the great inflation part two. When there's no evidence to believe that this is, I mean, certainly that was not what happened in the great inflation the first time, but there's no, no evidence to believe that the inflation expectations play any role outside of the short run anyway. In fact, there was a paper that was published back in September of 2021 caused quite a bit of um, controversy simply because it stated the, 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 uh, stated the facts that people, uh, economics, central bankers, they don't really want the public to know. Uh, the, the paper was called, Why Do We Think Inflation Expectations Matter for Inflation and Should We? Written by Jeremy Rudd from the Federal Reserve Board. He's a pretty influential staffer there. And the abstract pretty much says it all. Economists and economic policymakers believe that households and firms' expectations of future inflation are a key determinant of actual inflation. It's so ridiculous. A review of the relevant theoretical empirical literature suggests that this belief rests on extremely shaky foundations, and a case is made that adhering to it uncritically could easily lead 
to serious policy errors. Now, Mr. Rudd goes through the relevant literature as a standard in these types of academic papers. And what he says is, in the, in the uh, as he said in the abstract, is there's basically no belief, there's no evidence that suggests that this inflation expectation theory explains uh, consumer price behavior any differently or any better than any other interpretation or any other explana explanation that you might offer. Of course, they don't get into the real question, which I'll get into later. But what he says is, what I believe such a response misses, the, the idea that, you know, while we have to put something in our models because otherwise we have no inflation component into our models, what he believes that response misses is that the presence of expected inflation in these models provides essentially the only justification for the widespread view that expectations actually do influence inflation. It's sort of circular reasoning here. We put inflation expectations in our econometric models because we have no other idea how to do it. And because they're in our econometric models, we believe that must be how the world actually works. And we believe the world actually works that way because we have inflation expectations that need to go into our models. It's circular reasoning at worst. This is hardly scientific, but they, see, that's the thing with econometric models. They're presented as objective mathematics. How can you argue with the numbers here? This is mathematics. And what Mr. Rudd is pointing out, which is another dirty little secret of economics, most of these DSGE models, sure, they're, they're often very elegant mathematics, but they're also based on a ton of subjective, often irrational assumptions. And how, how is it irrational? Let's go back to Mr. Rudd in September 2021. Second, he says, the fact that inflation statistic trend manifests its last persist, persistent level shift after the 1990-91 recession also seems relevant. Well, yeah, wouldn't it, right? If inflation may, had a total complete regime change, and this is something I talked about recently with commercial industrial loans, you could actually see this in 1990, 1991, as well as in the commercial, uh, as in, in uh, consumer price indexes. If something happened in 1990, 91, shouldn't you be able to explain what it is in order for to, to in order to have an accurate or uh, relatively useful picture of consumer prices? But anyway, back to Mr. Rudd. It suggests that whatever happened, again, this is an open question, even to this day, 30 years later, whatever happened to inflation might be more related to its actual levels having been kept low rather to any credibility that the Fed gained as an inflation fighter following the Volcker disinflation. Now, this is something that economists have been arguing about and debating really since it happened. The so-called great moderation, which here Rudd characterizes as the Volcker disinflation, it's called the Volcker disinflation because Federal Reserve officials, in particular a guy by the name of Ben Bernanke, most of all, decided that it must have been this regime shift to interest rate targeting that explains why inflation had been so low and stay so low for very long. Other economists, not just Mr. Rudd in 2021, weren't so sure. In fact, the two economists who were responsible for coining the term great moderation in a paper they wrote in 2003 basically said, we don't really know. For us, it seems like random good luck or random good fortune. It just for whatever reasons, and they didn't assign a really, they came, they, tried, they came up with a couple of explanations. They didn't really say there was a reason. They couldn't tell. But for whatever reason, we went through a period after the 1970s, the Volcker disinflation, 
But whether or not that, that was the Federal Reserve, really, there's no evidence that's the case either. In fact, what was most conspicuous about the couple decade period of the great moderation, quote unquote moderation, was essentially that there were no monetary panics or breaks, which scared the pants off of Stock and Watson, the authors of the paper, as well as the coiners of the term great moderation, because they said, if we don't know why the monetary system is behaving that it is, the way it is, conducive to this, quote, this, this low inflation, uh, uh, relatively stable growth period, and this thing could come back at any time, which of course it did just a few years later in August 2007, when all the clueless Federal Reserve officials were left with twiddling their thumbs as the monetary system broke down. So back to Mr. Rudd, what he was basically saying, we don't know what happened during the Great Moderate. We don't really have any inf evidence that inflation expectations play a role whatsoever. So essentially what's happening is economists don't know what else to do. In the absence of a legitimate and rational evidence-based explanation for how consumer prices behave, they've essentially invented one. And in inventing one, by putting it in their models, they've made it, in a sense, real. Because they keep going back to this model. They don't know any other answers. They don't know any other way to explain consumer prices than this one way. And as Mr. Rudd says, this is really weird because the ancillary assumptions of the model are so incredible and when the, f the few clear predictions it makes are so wildly at odds with the available empirical evidence. So it's been disproven, falsified. It is, as Jay Powell said just earlier this year, we now understand how little we understand, but yet they continue to persist with inflation expectations. Rate hikes are all about not knowing how consumer prices actually work. It's the fact that, that the Federal Reserve official and economists have cobbled together this expect expectations-based Phillips curve, and in the absence of any other better or even legitimate explanation for consumer prices, they have no other way of, go of, of, go of going off of. They have no other way of, of basing their policies, interest rate hikes or interest rate cuts, because they can't answer the one question that when it comes to inflation. Is there or is there not too much money? Now, I know this is a surprise to most people because they think the Federal Reserve, it, it's a money printer. Ben Bernanke said so back in November 2002, said we have this thing called the money printer, and if we have to, God damn it, we're going to use it. And everybody thinks that he did, starting in late 2008 with the announcement of QE1, and then ever since then, one after another of quantitative easing. What is quantitative easing if not money printing? The Fed prints money, so therefore there's the inflation answer. But if you noticed in all of this inflationary debate and all this consumer price stuff, rate hikes and everything, these press conferences, these Federal Reserve statements, what is the one thing they never, ever, ever talk about? Money supply. It never comes up. Nobody asks. In fact, it's the dirt, the dirtiest of all the dirty secrets at the Fed is they cannot define money. They have no idea what's going on in the monetary system. And if you have no idea what's going on in the monetary system, when it comes when it comes to consumer prices, what are you going to do? You have to force your way into it through another way. You have to come up with this ridiculous expectations-based Phillips curve because you can't answer the simple question 
about inflation. Is it inflation? Is it money? Too much money chasing too few goods. And simple economics, don't need, don't need any DSG models, teaches us when you have an imbalance between demand and supply, prices are the only way to reconcile that divergence. But the problem is, whenever you have a temporary imbalance between demand and supply, that can only be temporary. Because there isn't the money printing. There isn't the money printing. There is not the money printing. And the Fed wouldn't even know how to begin with money printing, nor would the federal government. Because there was no money printing, consumer prices were always going to be transitory. Even if transitory meant something like a year and a half or even two years, as it had been, say, between 1946 and 1948, 1949. On a macroeconomic scale, transitory can last two years. And that was what was so compelling about last week's consumer price index number. The markets, the bond markets in particular, have been waiting for that confirmation. As I said with Stephen Van Meter on our video uh, yesterday, this wasn't, it wasn't like the CPI was the first thing that suggested that, uh, that the consumer prices were turning a corner. It was sort of the last thing. Everything else has been moving into shape. Everything else, going back to last year, the U.S. Treasury curve has been flattening since last May, even before consumer prices really started to accelerate. The bond market was saying this was a supply shock, transitory. It was always going to end in the same, inevitably going to end in something like we see now. So when the consumer price index number came out last week, it was just confirmation of what bonds have been suspecting all along. And it isn't just bonds that have been suspecting this. Uh, there's also one last piece of evidence from today's FRBNY report. They also ask consumers a, 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 a whole range of questions, including what do you expect the unemployment rate to be one year from now? And as of the October data, the median was 4.2 something percent or 42, 42.9 percent uh, the median number of consumers expect that the unemployment rate is going to be higher a year ahead than it is today. And that's the most in the survey, obviously, since 2020, but it's actually the fourth most in the entire data because consumers are starting to believe, well, they're already believing that consumer prices aren't going to stay high. They've believed that, they've believed that all along, as you see the difference between the one-year expectation and the three-year expectation, just like tips markets, markets, consumers, all of them have been, have been consistent in their expectation that consumer price pressures were going to turn the corner at some point. Now, unfortunately, that, that meant, and it looks increasingly like it means something like recession, one that's priced into the marketplace, one that's starting to get into the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's own Consumer consumer expectations data, rising inflation, uh, rising unemployment expectations, and everything else. So for the markets, last week was simply last piece of the puzzle. Whereas the Federal Reserve, having no idea how to interpret and analyze and really use the data because it has no legitimate working theory about how consumer prices work, they're essentially going to say. We're going to continue to rate hikes forever until we see the CPI back down around 2% and are convinced it's going to stay there. They have no idea how it will get there. And so in between, 
They're going to pretend like they're going to continue hiking rates until they're forced out of that expectation, which is really what uh, inverted in, inverted yield curves and inverted euro dollar future curves and other curves around the world. That's what they actually mean. In one sense, the markets are confirming policymakers have no idea what they're doing because they don't. So again, as uh, as always, thank you for watching. Huge thank you to members. Thanks to all the subscribers. And until next time, take care.